Hello everybody and welcome back to the JDA Football Podcast. Now today we've got a lot to talk about. The big rivalry, they disappointed at the weekend with Liverpool and United drawing 1-0-0. I'm not mixing my words up like I did last week. That was an absolute shocker by me. It was the influence of Jason that had me on strings. Um, ruining all of our days. <laughs> and uh, yeah, a lot of stuff has happened this week. Liverpool lost, of course, against Burnley, which is massive to talk about. Controversial decision with the Aston Villa Man City game, which we'll get onto, and plenty, plenty more. But first, as we always do, how are you guys? Oh, um, it's been a, a, a it's been a, a pretty stressful week. Um, it's been uh, yeah, a lot of things to do, a little time, but um, I got through it, and yeah. It's oh, did you have assessments this week? Yeah. Did you have assessments this week? Yes. Same. Ooh. Wasn't That's good. a tough one. Right, let's get into the footballing news. Now, starting off with the matches that have gone past in the Premier League from this midweek, we're on Friday at the moment, and last weekend. Starting off, as I said at the start, the rivalry that disappointed Liverpool nil, Manchester United nil. Now... Don't know what really what to say because Liverpool dominated first half. Second half, we got into it. We started really well and they were a bit poor. But I don't think I think a draw was probably the best in the end. We could have had a couple of counter-attack opportunities that we wasted. And then Pogba probably had the closest to getting a goal for us. But apart from that, nothing really. What did you two think of it? I think you had a lot of chances, but you didn't really take advantage. Yeah, we needed that goal. Alex, what about you? Um, yeah, I thought it was a, a bit different from sometimes you, you've played them. You played um, quite defensively in the first half and then obviously second half you got into your stride a bit and it probably looked like you had the better opportunities based on the second half. But um, the first half Liverpool really controlled it and ought to have done better. They've not been in very good scoring form lately. But yeah, I think a nil-nil draw was uh, worthy of the, the performance. Yeah, uh, we'll come on to Liverpool's uh, other result later. But going to the next game, Sheffield Sheffield United 1, Tottenham Hotspur 3. Alex, Undenbelly scored a cracking goal, didn't he? Yeah, uh, I mean, the scoreline, I think it flatters Tottenham a tiny bit. I thought after Tottenham got the two early goals, I think uh, Sheffield United did uh, very well and they were the better team for, for most of the part of it. Obviously, McGoldrick getting a goal back to make it 2-1. But then um, Undenbelly with that... Um, would you say it's goal of the month? I think it's it's a very good uh, technique. Yeah, people were saying at the time, did he mean it? But everybody virtually said, yeah, he definitely meant it because yeah. it's a brilliant lob over Ramsdale. Um, and I'm pretty sure it would be winning goal of the month, if not goal of the year, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, Tottenham deserved the three points. Um, but I think it's uh, positive signs for Sheffield United. They got their, uh, their first win of the season last week and yeah. they've obviously tried to maintain that performance, but what was it? 60th, 65th minute, they lasted one all, was it? Something like that. Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, and then City played at Crystal Palace on Sunday uh, after the United-Liverpool game, and it was 4-0 to City, with John Stone surprisingly getting a brace, coming back into good form. Money can't uh, buy me stones. <laughs> and uh, Phil Foden and some Gundogan, I think, got the other goal, yeah. I want to say. Um, but yeah, City deservedly winners of that game. Then Fulham played Chelsea. It was 1-0 in the end with Robinson, the left-back for Fulham, getting sent off. Uh, and then was it Mason Mount who got the... Yeah. It was sort of a tapping, wasn't it? Except from he blasted tapping. it, really. Yeah. What are you going to say? 
I, I, it was a tiny bit more than a tapping, but I think he made it look better than he was, like with the finish. So yeah. Uh, now we have scrutinised on this podcast about City's defence, and since Ruben Diaz and John Stones have become a little partnership, uh, this has been the stats. So ten games, nine wins, one draw, and only one goal conceded. I mean, it, the wow. massive the money showing now, surely, Joe. That is definitely showing that record. Uh, one goal in ten games has been conceded. That's really good. You don't you don't tend to see that nowadays. Uh, I think the longest streak so far this season was nine, wasn't it? Without conceding. I'm not too sure. Um, I, yeah, I'm not too sure. Um, Alex, he played ta- Liverpool ages ago, and I think that was the goal that they conceded. Alex, tightening up at the back for City. Is that where they really needed to start and not go and buy an attacker? Uh, well, they've um, been like spending 40, 50 million on centre-backs for the last five years, like Mangala. He turned out as a flop. Stones, when he first came, he wasn't very good, but obviously he's turning into the defender now. And I think um, after all this time, Pep Guardiola's like, got what he wanted. He's got two centre-backs that work well together and can control the play. Obviously, they haven't been focusing as much on attack at the moment. Like um, Gabriel Jesus hasn't been in form. Um, I think they played a false nine with Kevin De Bruyne up front at one point. And obviously, they're still getting the wins thanks to them not conceding. So, I think Pep Guardiola has done a good job finally uh, of picking a right, uh, like the right centre back partnership. Yeah, definitely. Um, Arsenal. Uh, managed to get back into form, but knowing them, they'll probably drop points next week. Um, they won three 0 against Newcastle with Aubameyang finally getting a goal. Um, Chelsea lost against Leicester. Um, at, well, it's saying at home here, but I thought it was at Leicester Stadium. It was at Leicester. Yeah, um, and it was two 0 James Mad- uh, Vardy getting a goal, and I want to say Madison. Madison, yeah, I thought I was going to say Madison. Uh, got the well, other I goal. Got a goal and Madison. I thought it was Ndidi and Madison, yeah. Madison and Ndidi, yeah, sorry. I think Jamie Vardy went down for a pen, but then somebody tapped in. Oh, is that another game? Yeah, that was a Madison goal. Yeah. um, And then Timo Werner got ruled out for offside. Uh, The game was late on. Um, I think we're all in agreement there that he is, or actually the foot of, I know the arm of, I can't see who it is, but the arm's playing Timo Werner offside just, but it's still fine margins, isn't it? There's not in there's not enough in that to actually call it offside. If it wasn't if VAR wasn't there, that wouldn't have been called. Yeah, I I can't like we can't see Werner's uh, foot on this picture, but it looks like his body position might be in front. So it looks well, like the lo- the line's drawn down from just above his elbow. Yeah, Fine I margins. think if you can't if you can't see an offside without drawing lines on their body parts, then I don't think you should give it offside. Because like when it gets down to them margins, it's not the attacker gaining an advantage on the defender. So yeah, I know. I think you get the the linesman did give it offside anyway, but it was probably tighter than he'd imagine. So yeah, um, fine margins. Yeah. Now going on to the next game, a very controversial game in midweek, Wednesday at six o'clock. City won two 0 against Aston Villa in the end uh, to make it six Premier League wins in a row for City. But before we come on to the decision, Joe, uh, before the main talking point, I'm just going to play this clip, if I can hopefully get it up, um, of B- of the BT Sport, uh, pun- not pundit, the referee, former referee, um, saying this about what happened, because not many people have seen this. 
Um, and it was he's basically saying about the law and the rules, like I was saying last week, getting mixed up together. Um, so yeah, I'll just play that now. Hopefully, I can get. Do you want to edit it in rather than sharing your phone to the screen? I was going to put it up to the mic, but what, what do you reckon? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that works. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll just do that. Right, okay. You said on air at the time that you also thought it was the wrong decision. We've since heard from the Premier League, and they've clarified how they made the decision to allow the goal to stand. Can you explain? Yeah, my, my initial thoughts, as were yours, that um, when Mings uh, played the ball, it, was, it wasn't a deliberate play on the ball and, and therefore didn't um, uh, play the, the player onside. However, the law, and I'll read the law for you, it says a player in an offside position receiving the ball from an opponent who deliberately plays the ball is not considered to have gained an advantage. So therefore, Mings playing the ball deliberately, and we can see it now that he does, you can see him try to chest the ball, deliberate play, plays uh, the, the Manchester City player onside, even though he's in an offside position, and therefore the goal should stand. And just to make me clarify that, he wasn't gaining an advantage by being where he was. Okay. It looked like so what are our thoughts on that? I mean, I was talking about the rules and the laws getting mixed up last week, and I thought it was an absolute shambles. But Joe, what do you think from, because that must have been heartbreaking, especially City as well. I do think they did deserve to at least have a 1-0 win. Yeah. But I, I'm with Dean Smith. Dean Smith came out and said basically that rules are shambles and that it's a ridiculous rule. And he went up to the ref, didn't he? He went up to the ref and said, did you get yeah. um, did you get juggling balls for Christmas? Basically called him a clown. And he got sent off for that and something else. But that, that rule is a bit of a... Um, I think it's taken the make a bit. Yeah. Because it should have probably only ended up 1-0. Yeah. Alex, what do you think? Because I've heard a lot of people saying this week, and Mings has had a bit of scrutiny these past two weeks or so, because a lot of the time he's been just like messing around with it and not just getting it away. And a clear example is, uh, is it there. And then another example was City could have had another goal, but Mings tried to get it off, but he was messing around with it. And I think it was Target in the end, just blasted it away. Um, so people are just uh, taking scrutiny from Mings, but the rule in itself or the law, I just think it should just all be scrapped and just have one either a uh, one rule or one law, rather than two at the same time. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, um, uh, I don't know whether you saw. I think um, Tyron Mings tweeted after the game, and he he said to me like, "Oh, I I know that I should I like I was in the wrong like partly." Like that, he should have just cleared it instead of just trying to to pass it away to to the defense. But again, the rule I'd never heard of it before when he when he was describing it. And when I was when I was watching, I was like, well, he's just come from an off offside position and it's come off a Man City player, so surely he should be offside now. And when when he described it afterwards, I thought that they were just making it up as they go along, like someone like that. And it did sound like they were just making it up, didn't they? I thought it was complete waffle. Yeah, it just comes to fine margins as well. And now they have to like decide whether the, the player's actually playing a pass or whether they're just like bouncing off them. It, it just it's again fine margins and if they don't get the, the rules concrete then I don't think they should be implementing rules like with small margins such as this one. Yeah. Don't get Sorry. me wrong. I did. I do think they should have won, and I I was pretty much expecting them to win anyway. But I was really impressed. Sorry, not in that way though. Like, no, no, no. I was really, I was really like 
surprised we held out for that long and for them to finish 2-0 up, which is basically just leaving us without a chance of getting back into the game. I just think that was a bit of an unfair goal and we could have had um, one goal if that second one wasn't um, allowed. Yeah. And uh, wasn't the first goal a bit iffy as well? Uh, yeah, well, the first goal was the goal that was everybody was talking about. But I, I thought both goals were debatable, though. I think a handball from Matty Cash, that was the one that City got for the penalty. Uh, yeah. That was took by Gundogan, I think, in the end. Um, but going back to Tyron Mings, Joe, and I know you're a big fan of him, but at the moment, he's just not getting rid of it and Villa fans aren't happy at the moment. So what boat are you in? I do think he's very good, but he is one of the most overrated players in the Premier League. Yeah. He makes... A lot of mistakes, mainly from messing around and trying to show off. And he's a, he's really aggressive. He gives away stupid fouls because he'll dive in on someone. Yeah. And then it will be missing him for two games or three yeah. games. And I, I just think he needs to cool it. And that'll come with time, I think. I think I've got uh, Mings' go tweet if you want to hear it. Go on. Uh, so he tweeted uh, after the game, obviously. Never uh, never even heard of that rule. Just let players stand offside, then run back and tackle you. In hindsight, I should have cleared it 100%, but didn't even know that was the case. Nonsense. Yeah. An offside position. I don't get it. Basically. So the rule is that Rodri was offside when Mings had the ball, basically. But the law like overrules that, basically, to say that Mings took the ball down so then Rodri wasn't offside it's something and I'm really confused as well don't get me wrong but it's something along those lines that Mings had already chested the ball so that basically automatically doesn't make Rodri offside which I was really so the, moment, the moment Mings touches the ball he's played on because yeah. it's been no touching it yeah he's oh. daft yeah he's from an offside position he shouldn't be allowed to interfere until he's back onside yeah but, and we talked about like Timo Werner get like he'd be gaining an advantage if he was offside. That is ultimately gaining an advantage on Tyrone Mings, but because he chested it down or something, somehow it's he, he's just not offside. Which well, so it's a bit like if you're driving down the motorway and someone undertakes you, you're not expecting anyone to come from your left to undertake, are you? Mm. You're not expecting anyone to come from behind you to tackle the ball, especially if you're the. De- Defender. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's just, it's I don't think that's particularly fair on Mings there. No. Uh, but at least it's been outlined now. To Hopefully, they change the FA will change it in the future. Uh, so it doesn't that happen again. That uh, But yeah, we'll have to see. Uh, De Bruyne has also got an uh, injury, which he'll be out for four to six weeks. Uh, so a big blow for City there, considering the form that they're on at the moment. Now, going on to the Liverpool game yesterday on Thursday... They lost 1-0 to Burnley, 85th minute. Ashley Barnes gets a penalty from Alice, from an Alisson foul. foul. Um, Alex, people were debating whether it was a penalty in the end, but I thought Alisson quite clearly clipped him, do you? Yeah, I mean, Jason messaged me afterwards saying, oh, no way, that was a pen. But ultimately, Alisson's come running out. Ashley Barnes, like, he's touched it over him and he's clipped his angle, Ashley Barnes, like, fall to the floor. But he has, and there has been a touch, which ultimately is a penalty. And I think Allison's reaction afterwards, he had his, his head in his hands and he knew that it was probably a penalty because 
that he was in the wrong in that passage of play. So I don't think there was uh, anything wrong with the penalty being given. And yeah. ultimately, he scored it. So. so, playing devil's advocate here. So, yes, going to ground for barely any contact does seem stupid. But if the foul's a bad foul, if it's not a perfect, if, if it's a, not a perfect tackle and they've caught you and not the ball, no matter what the contact is, that's an illegal tackle. So yeah. if you go to the ground with that, you're perfectly within your rights. And what is wrong is players going to ground for legitimate tackles. But that doesn't seem to be happening. Someone, everyone just seems to be taking advantage of tiny errors in a tackle. Yeah. But in that challenge, in that certain circumstance with Allison and Barnes yesterday, Barnes was always going to go down because yeah, the height the of his foot. Part. The height of Allison's foot was always going to clip him anyway. Yeah, he's in the penalty box and Allison's caught him and not the ball. Yeah. What are you going to do in that situation? Let yourself be tackled or go to ground and get a penalty? Yeah. Um, now, Thiago, a lot of stuff's been going on because a lot of Liverpool fans that I'm hearing at the moment are saying, oh, best player in the world and all of that. Well, not best player in the world, but best midfielder, if not top three. Um, and this is what a couple of people had to say, including John Barnes and Didier Hamann. And uh, Didier had to say first, the dynamics of the team will change with Thiago. I don't think for the better. John Barnes said, Thiago slows the game down. That is not Mane. That's not Mane or Salah's game at the moment. It's not working. What are we thinking of that? Because at the moment, Thiago has had four starts, zero assists and zero goals. And all the Liverpool fans are saying he's having a massive impact on the pitch, which I believe he do- does, but the stats aren't there to show it, are they, Alex? I mean, stats are ultimately what they brought him in for. They needed a, a midfielder who could create play and get assists for, for the attackers. And he's, he's just not doing that. Um I said it before, anyone who comes into that creative midfield role in Liverpool and looks like they're controlling the play and everything is going to get hyped up. And ultimately, it has been Thiago who's, who's got hyped up. Yes, I agree that he's a very good player and he really suited uh, Bayern when he was there because he could just like spray it out wide and then they'd cross it into to Lewandowski. But it's a completely different style of play for Liverpool. Their main attacking assets are the wingers. And... Um, I, I don't know. It's it's a bit like if they if they brought someone else in in that creative midfield, would it be any different? I don't think it would be. And I agree that Thiago is edging a world class player, but he's definitely not what Liverpool need at this point, and probably not going forward either. So I disagree about the stats because I've had I've actually had this argument with Dan a couple of years back. Uh, he said to me. It, this was when Graylish was only just breaking into our team and he was still rated as one of the best midfielders in uh, the UK. And Dan said um, he's only had, what, it was something like six assists that season and he played the whole season and basically started every game and he'd had something like three goals. And he said, you're overrating him because the stats aren't there. But he created our team. He, he was what got us all the goals because of the secondary assists. And I think this is some, it's kind of like Thiago. Yes, I think he does slow the game down and that's not what Mane or Salah, that's not how they play. 
But I do think he has had a big impact in the Liverpool squad. I do think he's been very good for them. He just hasn't got the assists because he tends to be getting the secondaries and creating the play rather than actually getting the goals or the assists. Yeah. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. Like, I do agree with you there, Joe. But the thing is, you have to have a team that plays as a whole team. You have to have it as... Yeah. Because this has been working for three years now. Mane, Salah, Firmino up front. That's been working for ages. And now it's not because the creative midfield's gone for with injuries, of course. They brought Thiago in. He's not working because... And I agree with John Barnes. He's sort of slowing the play down because he'll either put a ball over when they're on the edge of the box and Manny and Salah will have to chase it, but he'll never go through the big... for the big through ball, um, say, if they're on the counter-attack. He'll, nev- he'll never make that pass most of the time. Yeah, and, that, and that's what they want. He does create plays, but I just don't think he suits Liverpool's style of play. And Manny and Salah tend to be waiting for a through ball, and they're not getting that from Thiago. Yeah, Alex, do you think Thiago goes too much like in the central to Firmino? Um, well, I mean, they they brought in Thiago so that Firmino didn't have to like drop back and could stay up front and get onto the maybe crosses from the fullbacks or the wingers, um, but. I saw Thiago sometimes at Bayern. I'm not going to say I watched him because I don't really watch Bundesliga at all. But he, in the highlights, he just looks to be passing sideways and like, he never really looks for the forward pass to Firmino or to Salah or Manny. He always looks for the best option for him, which is probably just out wide. And in other teams, like with us and Alan, I mean, he, he can pass to the, to the fullbacks all he likes and then we play a ball into to DCL who get his, get his head on it. But we've seen Liverpool's success. They won the Champions League, they won the Premier League and all that time they were just playing three balls constantly to Mane and Salah and they were just um, banging in 10, 15 goals a season and that was working for them. And they, they kept saying they wanted a, a creative midfielder to, to link it all together. But ultimately... The, the thing that they had before was working and they've just changed it and it hasn't worked for them. So should they change it back? Should they not? That's for, for Klopp to decide. So Yeah, that's that's what gets me. Why change it now when it's like all of a sudden working? What, they won the yeah. Premier League last season. It worked fine. They won the Champions League two, three seasons ago. They've got into those Champions League finals. What was it? Three, two Champions League finals in a row, something yeah. ridiculous. It, it and worked. now they're changing the style of play. So, it's not working. And uh, Liverpool fans are still arguing that he's good. Exactly. So why bring... Like, Thiago, great player, of course. Don't get me wrong. He's, like, a brilliant midfielder. But I don't think Klopp's identified him as... I don't think he thought he was what he is. Because yeah. he's changed the whole uh, style of play to Liverpool, like you said, Alex. But... Firmino's always going to be in front of him so there's no dragging of the centre-backs out is there? So there's always going to be a rigid back four that Thiago's going to have to break down Whether, rather than it, if it was Firmino, he would drag at least the centre-back and then it would be a three-on-two with the Manny and Salah against the three centre-backs but mm. something I do think he's been very good for them I just don't think his Salah play suits them and they've got two options really, they can replace him with someone else who does suit that style of play, but maybe isn't as renowned, or they change their style of play to suit Thiago, which will take time and a lot of money. I think the best option is probably to bring on Thiago as maybe a super sub or something, just when you need him. Last 10 minutes to calm the game down a bit. 
Yeah, I yeah. Mean, if, if you're holding out the rest of the game, bring him on and slow the pace down. I mean, if we compare to what it was... Um, <laughs> Alex's dog in the background. Uh, if you compare to what the midfield three was for Liverpool last year and the year before, they had Fabinho as the CDM, Henderson and Wijnaldum as more of attacking centre-mids, really, but still centre-mids. And they're all solid players. Like I've, I've gone back to this with the whole penalty situation, but they're all solid players and they'll do a job for you. With Thiago, I'm, he'll fight and he's a solid player, but he's more of a creative player. And I just think, I don't know, the, they should have stayed with that midfield three if they still wanted to be in this position. But I know Wijnaldum's got stuff going on with Barcelona. But the, the bottom line is they didn't really need a creative midfielder and now they've got one. Yeah, they thought they did, but they don't, do they? <laughs> no, now, now they have. It's just completely ruined their dynamic and yeah, it's just not working. Yeah. Um, Jamie Carragher had this to say about um, last night's performance against uh, Burnley. He said, it's a huge brewery going forwards, uh, not just in terms of the title, but in terms of the top four. So Jamie Carragher clearly stating there that Liverpool aren't going for the title this season and that challenging for the top four. If you were a Liverpool fan, would you be worried at the moment saying having Jamie Carragher, a renowned pundit, saying that about you? Uh I don't think they should be worried, but I can understand why they would be. Because, like, the teams around them, like, five or six, I think Leicester will slip off, will definitely slip off. And ultimately, they shouldn't be worried about, like, getting top four um, and should be worried about, like, trying to stay in the title race. I don't think there's any doubt that they'll get top four, even if they do do crap until maybe even March. Mm. Because they're Liverpool, they can change and they will change if something's not working. They will get top four, I'm fairly certain of that. But the title, I, I think, to be honest, it might go to United this season. I, I think it's cities to lose. I think it's cities. Um, th- Even though United are sitting at top. Yeah, yeah but they're, they're two points. They've got game in the hand. Game yeah. th- For me, Liverpool squad depth massive issue i was watching uh, the james redmond uh, live stream last night and it's really funny to see him with the expressions and team coppish but anyway they were discussing about how liverpool really aren't in the title race anymore uh, after this result and one of the men- things that they mentioned about was squad depth now if you look at united and city at the moment squad depth is unreal like last season i would have said our squad depth's rubbish on our bench now we've got cavani donny van der beek um Dean Henderson, arguably uh, England number one at the moment, um, with Eric Bailly, Lindelof. We've got all these crazy players. Look at Liverpool's bench. Like Milner, he does a job, fair enough. Uh, Minamino, not many Liverpool fans are still a fan of him, even though he was meant to be really a, the next big thing. Um, nothing's really happened with him. And when he does come on, he doesn't perform. Um, and it's for me, it's just the squad depth that in the end will cost them the place of not being in a title race. But how long is your bench going to want to stay? Well, that's, your the, bench, yeah, that's the big question. For your bench to be as good as they are and not really to be played, because you've got your starting lineup and you're sticking with your starting lineup. How long is your bench going to want to stay there? Well, I don't, your team don't rotate enough. Is the, on, the only criticism I have for United at the moment is you don't rotate who's on the bench enough. Well, 
FA Cup, League Cup games, apart from League Cup semi-final, really, we've rotated. But in the Premier League, we've barely rotated. And that's through the performances. Because we clearly, we clearly want to go for it this season. Because why wouldn't you? Liverpool are rubbish at the moment, really. Um, by their standards, anyway. City, of course, aren't in the best of positions, even though they are quite close to us. But we've got Cavani, who's a million, a million, what was it? A million, he's getting paid a million this season. Um, he's, I, I don't think he's that bothered if he gets played every single match because he knows he'll he, come he'll on. He'll stay, but it's Van der Beek. Yeah. Van der Beek's already expressed his concern and there is talks of him leaving already at the end of this season. So if you yeah. don't get this season, what's your bench going to look like? I, I think he just doesn't suit you, I don't think. Like you play with two CDMs and an attacking midfielder. It's like, where what? does he fit in that? He's a creative one, box to box. We do try to play a 4-3-3. When we're in attacking, we do play 4-3-3. Like against Fulham the other day, which we'll come on to. Fred was clearly the CDM and Pogba and Bruno were the attacking mids. So that's where Donny would play in an attacking mid role. And when he played against Istanbul Basakshir, he was actually pretty good as a CDM because he brought the play from the defense from the mid from the defense to the midfield into the attack very nicely. And not many players have been able to do that. But Tomine's done it in the last couple of months or so. But Van der Beek did it really well that game. Um, but I, I still do think there's a position in there for him. But I think Bruno or Pogba would have to get injured. I don't, I don't see him really getting in there, but there is a position there for him. Well, with Pogba more than likely staying now, unless you do rotate your midfield, I just don't see where Van der Beek's going to fit. He would, he would fit in the Pogba-Bruno position. Both of their positions but, he would fit in. But they're both permanent. They're both staying for a long time. Pogba, there's not really much question. He came out and said he's staying with United, didn't he? Yeah. Would you would you be interested in loaning him out? Like, would that be an option for you? Do you think? I don't, if we loan him out, that's just stupid because this last two seasons or so, we've been going on about oh, we need squad depth. That will get us in the title race. That will make us challenge more. If we get rid of Van der Beek, who are we gonna bring on the bench? And James Garner is a great player. Don't get me wrong, he's on a, on loan at Watford this season. But you want experienced players coming on. And for me, Van der Beek has had a lot of experience in the Champions League, getting to the semi final, of course. Um, but it, I just think it would be countering what we've been saying all this time. And I don't think there's any point. And, and if Van der Beek wants to go, he goes. But we have to bring in somebody as good as him. So that's the way I see it. I think if if you are sticking with your starting lineup and you're going to keep them on for most of the game, I think Van der Beek... Don't you can't loan him out the amount you paid for him and his quality? You won't want to loan him out to anyone in the Premier League. Yeah, I think probably swap him out for an older, more experienced player of around the same quality, maybe get three seasons out of them and then start looking for someone else. Yeah, could do that. But the thing is, though, City, if you look at their bench as well, we're going to squad depth here, but if you look at their bench, Bernardo Silva doesn't mind coming off the bench. Gundogan doesn't mind coming off the bench. They'll all do jobs, and that's what we need Van der Beek to do. When he's needed, he comes on and does a job. But well, when is at, he needed? When either Pogba or Bruno's injured, or we need exactly. a rotation. So and neither Pogba or Bruno are prone to, are injury prone. No, but if if Bruno was out on a seven month injury, if we got rid of Van der Beek on a loan or a deal, we would 
still bring somebody in maybe, but I highly doubt it because of how, how our club's quite tight at the moment. But I just think, I just think we don't loan Donny, and if he wants to go, he goes. But we still have to bring in people for squad depth. Otherwise, we can't challenge. But you don't buy like. Let's say you were Barcelona. You don't buy Neymar as a as a replacement for Messi if Messi is injured. No, but Van der Beek's not as good as Pogba and Bruno. Yeah, but for his age and how good he is, he doesn't want to be on that bench. Yeah, but I, well, I think you'll lose him if you keep on playing him on the bench. Well, if if Ollie's when there've been contract negotiations, if Ollie said to him. Pogba and Bruno are really going to probably start in front of you. If he said that and Van der Beek's still at the club, I'm not, I think he I'm not knew. Arguing. I think he knew that Pogba and Bruno were going to start ahead of him. But I do think because he barely has played for ten minutes each game, mm. and he wants more game to, game time than that. If you took off Pogba or Bruno when there's half an hour, forty minutes of the game left. I don't think it would make your performance worse and he would be more willing to stay. But the big question with that is we played Fulham in midweek. If we if we'd taken Paul Pogba off and he didn't get that vital goal in like around the 70th minute, if we took him off at the 50th minute stage, that goal might have not gone in because Van der Beek's not got the same class as Pogba. Yeah, I, I'm not... I'm not saying every game, but you you don't play him at the moment, I, and he's not he's not going to stay to not be played because of how old he is, how young he is. Sorry. Yeah, don't get me wrong. If we're four nil up against somebody, bring him on. But if we're one all with Fulham and there's twenty minutes to go, if Pogba's not having a good game, take him off. But if he's having an all right game, Pogba can always make something out of nothing. So. Uh, yeah, that's the whole United debate over with. Um, but going back to Liverpool now, and Dejan Lovren, who of course went to Zenit St. Petersburg, uh, I'd say this um, uh, about leaving Anfield. He said, I think Liverpool miss me more than I miss them. Strong strong words there. Who <laughs> wants to go first? Who wants to go first? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, well, I was going to say, um, I thought it in... It was sort of true because at the moment Liverpool are like definitely like they they could do with another centre back. Um, they have Joel Matip. I think he's the only senior centre back that's currently fit for them. Um, I mean, Van Dijk's out for, for God knows how long. Um, who else have they got? Joe Gomez. He's also out. Like they could really do with another senior centre back. Um, but for him to to speak like this big-headedly. I don't know if that's the right word, but um, yeah, it's just a bit uh, out of order. From I'm not out of order, but yeah, I think he said like last year he's one of the best centre-backs in the world. So yeah, I think he's pushing it a bit with some of the statements that are coming out from him uh, at the moment. So when I was, when United and Liverpool were about to play, I was messaging a Liverpool fan and he said, Matip has all the integrity of a twig. And he basically thought Matip was going to get run through and then they weren't going to be able to do anything. I think they did really well to keep it as a draw. Um, but I do think they are missing something in the defence. Definitely right now. Van Dijk's out. Uh, I, there's not a lot. 
Joe Gomez yeah. is out. Yeah, Gomez is blocks. out. There's not a lot they can do in defence, really. If they played Everton right now, if DCL was properly informed again, if they played Everton now, I think Everton would run, through, run all over them. So Lionel Messi got sent off for the first time ever in his career at Barcelona. Um, so it was in the Spanish Super Cup final uh, and it was 3-2 in the end uh, that Barcelona, Barcelona lost. I don't think anybody saw that coming. Uh, we'll just go through a couple of things and we'll outline the major ones. Um, so Jack, going on some transfer news now, Jack, Re- Jack Grealish, Jack Wilshire um, has gone on a short-term deal to Bournemouth from West Ham, of course. Um, Phil Neville has exited as the Lionesses coach uh, for the England women's team. And now he will go over to into Miami to play in David Beckham's team. I think that's a that's a good managerial job for him, definitely. But for David Beckham, because there's somebody that you can trust in there that he's played with in the past, Alex, isn't it? Yeah, it's always nice to have a, a bit of experience as well. He's been the England manager. He's um, uh, brought them to the to the World Cup, which is always, uh, always nice. And um, I've been following the results into Miami. It's not been very good uh, at the start. So I think David Beckham bringing in some um, recognised faces will be good as well for them. I think they've, they've signed like players Matuidi, um, yeah. Higuain and everything, and they're still not, um, awesome. they're still underperforming. So, yeah, players. Um, now we'll go into the COVID 19 tests in the Premier League, and they have dropped again, which is always good news. 16 new positive tests. I mean, it's, it's still fairly high, uh, but it's not as high as it was back, what, two, three weeks ago when it was 40 and 20 something last week. It's because we're able to play now, which means our cases have gone down. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a good point, Joe. Um, now, going on to some women's football news, uh, a Manchester City have signed World Cup winning centre-back, Abby, I'm not even going to attempt that last name, it's like Del Kemper? Del Kemper, I think it is, yeah. yeah. Uh, on a two-and-a-half-year deal, um, so that's good for them, getting some experience. We've Another signed, American um, in Manchester, of course. Oh, didn't she uh, play for She played for City, didn't she? Yeah. On yeah. The low. Um, yeah, she's she's a good player as well. Uh, and then England boss, of course, Phil Neville went out, uh, so they've had to bring somebody in as an interim boss because I believe they want to bring somebody from uh, the American team in, but in in the interim before they, they bring her in, they've got Hagrisa. He- I want to say uh, a bit like John and Arisa, uh, that last name. Um, but going on to the UEFA team of the year now. Very controversial, I thought this one was. Um, so, Alex, would you do us the honours of reading out the starting eleven? Uh, so, in goal, we've got Neuer. Uh, the defence is Alfonso Davis, Van Dijk, Ramos, Ramos and Kimmich. Um, the, uh, in the midfield, you've got Thiago and De Bruyne. And the attack is Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel Messi, Neymar and Lewandowski. What are our thoughts on this one? What's De Bruyne doing in there? That's what I thought. What's Thiago doing in it? Yeah, what's Thiago doing? For me, how the hell is Bruno not in that team? I'm sorry. How the hell is Bruno not in that team? And no, no, I'm not. I'm, to he's be he's fair, been better than De Bruyne and Thiago all of this season. He's been better than Thiago and De Bruyne combined. Yeah, he's risen your team up to a level that they haven't been in a long time. Yeah, I mean, how the hell Ramos is still in there? I don't have a clue. Because he's he's done barely anything for them last year. For me, at least Prisnel Kimbembe could have had a shout because he had a decent season for PSG yeah. last season. I but, don't think Neuer 
is as good as they make him out to be either anymore. I think because they won the treble last season, of course, that's why you'll see a lot of uh, Bayern players in there, including Thiago. Um, but I, I don't know. Like De Bruyne over Bruno, I don't really see why that's I, happened. I, can, I don't know. I can Go see on. De Bruyne being in it more than I can see Thiago being in it. Um, I know you were saying like he, he was in the, the treble winning team, but I don't think he was a standout player. Um, I, I mean, Gnabry's not in it. Uh, Muller's not in it, and they have a, a big shout as well. Uh, and a lot of PSG players do as well. I mean, they won the French Cup, the French League, and they went into the Champions League final. So if they'd have won that match, surely some of their players should have been in it more than just Neymar. So um, a lot Jason, of players could probably be in it who are not. So Jason also said to me that uh, he was surprised that Kimmich got selected as the right-back because he has played CDM a couple of times. Um, I mean, I, he, he was very good for for um, Bayern Munich when he wasn't CDM, and I, I I think he played in CDM the whole of last season. So I can't see why he's in right back. And obviously he's thinking, oh, where's Alexander Arnold? But um, in terms of last year, I think Kimmich has been uh, a better player than Alexander Arnold. But yeah. are they in the same position? It, it's questionable. Yeah, definitely. And. I'm not sure about Messi either with Barcelona's season last year. I know he was probably the only reason why they weren't anywhere near relegation. But he's every year he's under consideration for a nominee. I don't think that um, this season, well, this year has been his greatest time, yeah. especially with everything that has gone on in the past two months. And just how well, what, how poorly Barcelona performed as a team. I don't think um, that Messi should have probably got that spot. I mean, if we're basing it off how the teams played, then I, I can see why De Bruyne shouldn't really be in it. But ultimately, at some points last season, he was arguably the best player in the world. So, yeah, De, De Bruyne is in there because of last season. Because this season he's been awful. Yeah. But Bruno was great. Bruno came in last January, so the start of 2020, when this was... So he's had a year as well. And think what he's done. That first game, I went to it where he played against Wolves. It was nil-nil in the end. But the amount of creativity was ridiculous. And we've seen it through the whole of it. People have been saying, oh, Bruno United, all this. And he can't even get into the team of the year. Yet De Bruyne can get into it. And he had... fairly decent season don't get me wrong but nothing compared to Bruno whatsoever I think I think De Bruyne's season was very good but because Bruno has um, improved United so much compared to what they were before he was brought in I think that alone deserves a place in the team over De Bruyne because yes, yeah. De Bruyne did have a very good season and he was arguably, at the start of last season, he was arguably the best in the in the world. But yeah. Bruno, because of how much he did elevate United and just the creativity he brought to the table, I, I think he should have been in that team over, especially him, uh, De Bruyne and Thiago. Did De Bruyne or Thiago have to carry a team though like Bruno did? No. I think exactly. they already had teams. And I think they were the very did, good. But not as much, like nowhere near as much as Fernandez did. Yeah. 
I just think it's ridiculous. Going from one Portuguese man to the other, and Cristiano Ronaldo has become the highest goal scorer in football history with 760 career goals uh, that came in the Italian Super Cup final win over Napoli. But no, uh, but, uh, no it was, wasn't it? Is it Sikan? I want to say. Is it Sikan or somebody yeah. like that? Sikan, Pe- yeah. Something like that. Uh, because. Oh, Joseph Baikan, yeah, sorry, Joe, you were right. Uh, he said uh, it hasn't been broken, uh, well, the uh, Czech FA claimed that anyway, uh, because his tally actually stands at 821. So everybody's saying it's the same um, with what happened with Messi and Pele. Um, but I just don't, I think they're just, <laughs> they just want the record to stand, of course. Like, why wouldn't you? Yeah. But like, we all know Ronaldo is going to do it anyway, because I've seen all the memes this week saying, or oh, Ronaldo will have to score, what was it, like 100 more goals or something. And then Ronaldo, and it's a picture of Conor McGregor going, ha, no effing problem. <laughs> and saying all that. Because everybody will know he'll do it because he's that good. Um, he needs 60 yeah. more goals. That's He's going to get that. Yeah, but he's going to play for at least four more seasons. Yeah, that's, that's three seasons, I reckon. That, that's probably three seasons at 60 goals, maybe two. Yeah. I think he can and get that in the time he's got left. In the recent in the recent interviews that he's had as well, um, the, the he's been saying that I'm basically only just getting started. Well, not not getting started, but he says I've got so much left in my career. This is like halfway through it, really, because he's that fit and he has like all the a bit like LeBron James in the NBA. He has like two. LeBron has like two thousand pounds worth of like people like. What is it called? A nutritionist uh, and people like doing fitness plans for him. And that's virtually the same with Ronaldo. I think it'll be a bit more though. So we're going to see a, more of Ronaldo. Uh, but yeah, I think most people know that he can do it. Um, four of, 450 of the goals came at Real Madrid, 118 at United, five at Sporting Lisbon, 85 at Juventus and 102 for Portugal. Not bad, that is it? So it does bring into question. So... Pele and uh, I don't know how to pronounce. Is it Bikan or Bikan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't have the level of support and the level of athleticism that footballers do today. Yeah. And the thing about sport is that you can always progress further. So it's only a matter of time before we see players playing until they are 40, 43. Uh, whereas yeah. before, you'd, you'd probably say mid-30s is when a player either has to move down a few leagues or retire. Yeah, um, I mean, look at look well, at Zlatan now. Um, he's, what is he, 30, 38, 39? And he's still a beast. Like yeah, exactly. And he's going to get more support, which will come on later. It's just the, the like level of athleticism nowadays, because they are so fit... It's almost like yeah. they don't age like most people because they are just so healthy. Yeah. Um, now we're going to yeah. <laughs> now we're going to some transfer news now. Staying with AC Milan, uh, and Mario Mandzukic uh, has joined Zlatan, and this is what he had to say about joining him. He said, "I am very happy there will be two of us to scare opponents." Now that will be a deadly duo up front. Literally, hoof the ball up, Burnley style. And you guarantee goals, really. <laughs> two, two target men, really, isn't it, Alex? Yeah. 
I mean, um, <laughs> nothing much really to say. I think um, they be. I, I would be worried about um, like just the the speed, but obviously they've got a few uh, fast wingers. They've they've signed Diaz from. Uh, I think they signed him from Real Madrid, so he should uh, probably link up quite well with them. And, yeah. Alex, you'll be buzzing about this one. You got it right. Real Madrid have offered David Alaba a contract after his 13-year stay at Bayern Munich. I mean, you messaged me at the time and said, I'm a literally a god because of what happened in your fantasy team as well. Mm-hmm. You did very well if nobody knew. Um, both leagues now. Would yeah. You Would you say right decision? I mean, clearly Liverpool haven't come to him, which I was quite shocked by. Yeah, um, I mean, at the moment, I think Liverpool were probably more desperate than, than Real Madrid to sign a centre-back. But obviously, David Alaba saw it as a, a better move for him to, to move to Real Madrid more than Liverpool. So, ultimately, that's what he's chosen. And it's probably going to turn out quite well. I think he'll play well next to either Varane or Ramos, depending on who wants to, to play next to him. So Yeah. Um, Socrates Papadopoulos has also left Arsenal by mutual mutual consent by contract or by cancelling his contract. Um, the clubs that are interested are Real Betis, Sevilla and Genoa, according to Sky Italy. Um, I don't think it really worked out for him with Arteta. Uh, and I think Arteta's trying to get some of his dead wood out. And Socrates was a great player at um, Borussia Dortmund. Um, but since he came to Arsenal, that first season or two, he, he was all right. But it's been in the decline. Never really since. clicked. Yeah, um, and especially because everything, all the problems at Arsenal at the moment. What, what are you going to say, Joe? Arteta's definitely got in his mind who he doesn't want in his team, and who he, yeah. who he doesn't think are good enough for his team because he is getting rid of quite a few players, isn't he? Yeah, uh, especially defensively as well with Williams Salibia going to Nice uh, on a loan. Uh, but Socrates, of course, is actually going permanently. Um, and then staying with Arsenal, they've brought in Matt Ryan. Alex, I saw on your blue, the Blues NSNO on Instagram, go follow him, uh, that you're quite shocked at this deal. And I am, to be fair, considering they have Leno in that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think it's obviously going to be a, a backup for, for players. Um, like we saw Runnison, I think he played in the, um, the Europa nothing. League and we saw his, um, oh wait, the Cup, yeah. Carabao. And he made that that mistake, which um, you don't want to be making. Obviously, he's only 18 and he can improve. But um, I've seen a lot of Brighton fans. They they weren't happy with Ryan. I think that's why. Um, is it Stairs playing in that for a lot? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh no, Steel, Steel. Oh, Steel yeah. At, um, Villa. Yeah, oh. and um, I don't know how good he'll be there. I think a lot of Brighton fans didn't like like he's. I don't know whether he's a club legend or not, but he, he's he's done pretty well for them in in the past seasons. Um, but he, he wasn't good enough apparently this season, and he's gone to um, to Arsenal. Hopefully, he can be a good backup, um, maybe even better than Emi Martinez. But I doubt that. I think Jed yeah. Steer's still injured for us. Yeah, you at one minute fifteen goalkeeper. goalkeeper. Yeah, at one minute you were goalkeeper central with Pepe Reina. Um, Neyland, uh, Emi Martinez. Uh, Steer. Martinez. Yeah. But Steer's injured. And um, it reached his like six... He's been out for a long time. It was since like December last year. Yeah. Uh, when it reached six months injury, um, Villa, the Villa Instagram put out the clip of when he brought us up from the playoffs in the penalty shootout. Oh, yeah. and, uh, have, you, have you seen the clip? 
He walks into net. I don't know. I don't know who's taking the penalty. But he stares him down, away. and he just carries on staring them as he walks into his net, just completely psyching them out. And uh, he missed his penalty. <laughs> Clearly worked then. Um, Premier League will televise February fixtures. I think we're all, all going to expect this because the lockdown looks. People are saying mid March, maybe at the moment. Um, even though it was meant to be a really month lockdown, but anyway. Um, it's it's always good because we're always a bit worried whether all games were going to get televised. This doesn't mean they'll get televised for free. Of course, some will by the BBC. But, I mean, it is always good to see uh, that the point TV, uh, putting football on TV as per. Um, f- this is a big one, actually. Uh, the FIFA organization have threatened a World Cup ban on proposed on a proposed Super League, of course, with the European Super League, uh, to players who want to play in the World Cup. Now, I said this to Jason yesterday. This is a big, big, big stamp uh, from the organizations because I believe it's along with six other organization football organizations. Um, and for me, I thought the European Super League was going to come soon, and this for me has extended it for twenty years. Because I said to Jason, in 20 years, you'll have new uh, football organization hierarchy members that want to make more money and more modern game of football and want to make it a bit more exciting and the money, of course. Uh, so I, so that's, that was my point. It's just extending it. But for me, it's always going to happen. It's just when. I don't think it's a good idea for it to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think it is a good idea. I think most people don't think it is. But... I just think it's inevitable. It's eventually going to happen. How do you decide what leagues get teams in? Because there are enough countries in Europe. If you'd only have two teams for from each country, if that, yeah, because otherwise the league would just be too big and they wouldn't be able to get the games in. And you can't play twice a year. You can't play twice a week if you're going from Manchester to Madrid on a Wednesday and then you have to get to Munich on the Saturday. That's not going to be... It's just not something that can happen. Your players will not be ready for that because of the the mental stress and just moving around so much. And um, I just don't see how logistically it would work because... Go on. So I know what I know what clubs would be playing in it. Literally, the top four clubs, top six clubs in England would play. I can guarantee that because they'll see it as a money thing. So the biggest fan bases: so Real Madrid, Barcelona, Atletico Madrid from Spain. You'll have Bayern Munich, Borussia Dortmund, maybe Schalke um, or RB Leipzig from the Bundesliga, and then you'll have all the top teams out of every country. Because even if say I don't know, even if Burnley win the Premier League they're not going to get into it because then there's no money with them, really. So, so it'll be a set league with set teams, no matter how crap one of the teams becomes. And um, it could potentially have 40 teams in it. Because if, if you have the top six from every team, or the top even the top four from every uh, country in Europe, I just think th- it would be a nightmare to sort out and it would be better to have sort of a World Cup for clubs every every four years or something. Well, when this was mentioned back in, God, when was it? November time, sort of. It was mentioned as taking over the Champions League because I believe the Champions League 
their licensing or something comes up in 2022 or something, 2023. So this would basically overtake the Champions League as the big competition in Europe, uh, which will be massive in itself. But then that's not going to happen. And then there's that the Super League, uh, even though they would call it Super League anyway. But yeah, it's just a massive... I don't know. It's just massively different to what the Champions League would be. I think it's just because it was proposed by the man by the um, by the club, wasn't it? Uh, I know Liverpool and United were the two clubs in England proposing for it. I think uh, it's just a way for the big clubs to make more money and stay on top. Yeah, of course. Yeah, because they're worried about whether or not they're going to be at that position in 10 years' time, and they, they want to keep their position where they are now. And if they have a Super yeah. League, all, all the best players are only want to, going to want to come um, to the teams in that Super League. Yeah. Exactly. They'll always manage to have the best players and they'll have the most money because more, more companies will want to sponsor the Super League. It's literally just a way to make football more exclusive. Mm-hmm. And it will write off the majority of the teams in the world. Yep. Alex, I know you're eager to say something. Go on. Oh, I, uh, <laughs> I don't know. You just looked at it. <laughs> oh, I mean, um, I know it would like be a, a big negative for like most of the top leagues, but I think like leagues like the championship will benefit massively from it if it does happen because the amount of people like... I know Jason said numerous times if there is a Super League, he's probably going to start supporting a different team like lower down in the English league which will yeah. make um the like the champ uh, like championship maybe even like league 1 league 2 much more lucrative than they are now um but ultimately like we're going to be losing the best players like who are playing in the premier league and it's just going to not like not be as attractive as it is like right now so the quality it, of football will go down massively yeah I, I can guarantee it it will be like it will be like the champ. It will be like championship level. Not say it's not bad or anything. Don't get me wrong, but that's the level that it will be at. If the I don't big even teams think do go that. out, I don't even no. think that because um, the champion, the championship, you still have players that stand out. Jack Grealish was in the championship, and there were players that were competing against him, and they were doing as well as him. And he has improved massively since coming to the Premier League because the Premier League ju- does bring you forward a lot more. But any good player would be snatched up by the Super League clubs because they have the money to buy whoever they want at that point. Yeah. And I don't I don't I just don't think it would be a good idea for football. And I think if it happened, it would just be a monopoly by the big clubs and it would write off like Teams that could sit in the middle and then rise up occasionally. So Everton, this season is not a normal season for Everton. And they've done really well. And they could probably win the league in two or three years' time. But they will. They still wouldn't have a place in that uh, Super League because they're not the biggest club in the Premier League and they don't have the, big, the most money. And there's not the most money in it. It's like... Yeah. Oh, well, it's... Who's gonna come in? Because if it's like City, Liverpool, not City, Liverpool, Man United, Liverpool, because they're like they've got the most history and everything. City would argue that they've been the in the last five or six years they've been the best team in the league, and ultimately they've dominated like from 2011 onwards. Um, they've won like how many? Like three or four Premier Leagues. Um, yeah. 
it's just like and Arsenal, they have a, a, a very clear history of being like one of like one of, if not the biggest team in the in the Premier League or in the English leagues, and they're sitting like tenth. So should they go into it? But they're like not at anyone's level at the moment. So well, I think it's all money. So with was it Carragher who said um, Liverpool might not make top four this season? Yeah. If they don't make top four, will they be written off the chance because they've had a season where they're doing crap? What, for the Super League? Yeah, because I, I, I just think it would be unfair on the teams that do perform well on, on certain seasons. There'd have to be some motivation. Yeah, because if you win the Premier League, that doesn't mean anything if you can't move up to the Super League. I can, Joe, Liverpool wouldn't go out, and I can tell you why. Because their fan base is too much to get rid of. Think about all the money that they would get for just doing the Super League. Even if they're losing, they would still get a ton of money. So they're they're always going to stay in it, really. But who? So if there's Villa and Everton competing to win the Premier League, what's the motivation for that? Because if you can't go up to the Super League, what's the point? Exactly. I just think the quality of football would go down massively in the Premier League and it would just be a really dark time in football. Yeah. I think we've hit on all points there, to be honest. Um, now, I'll go back on some transfer news. Meza Ozil is really, really, very, really, really, really close um, to getting his move back to Fenerbahce. He's flown into Turkey. He still says, I love Arsenal and support them. Um, but... Arteta was asked this week in a press conference who's been leaking information out and everyone thinks it's Ozil. Um, so because of like, everything that's coming out about the owners and stuff like that um, and Arteta. So yeah, everybody thinks it's Ozil. Um, Zinedine Zidane has got COVID-19. Um, going back to some other transfer news now. And Fikayo Tomori has or is in Milan as we speak now, uh, going on a low move uh, to AC Milan. Now, Alex, you've got Christiansen, Rudiger, Thiago Silva um, yeah. and Zuma all starting in front of him. And in my pre- personal preference, I think tomorrow should be starting. But this is definitely the right move for him. Of course, AC Milan, top of the Serie A at the moment. It's the place to be, surely. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's good for both parties. Like, um, Tomori is going to be starting for them. He's going to gain a lot of experience from playing abroad. And when he comes back, if he impresses at them, maybe he can even get a starting uh, place. So, um, yeah, it's going to be uh, good for all parties. Uh, I know Frank Lampard has stopped him going on loan at, like, n- numerous times. I'm pretty sure at one point he was going to West Ham. Uh, at one point he might have even been going to us. But um, he must have seen something in him that he wanted to stay as a backup or something, but eventually Tomori's got his move and it's probably the best he could have asked for as well. So, Yeah, it's a loan-to-buy move, I think, possibly. But the thing goes with Tomori, even if AC Milan wants to buy him, he still has the choice to say, I don't want to do it and I'll go back to uh, Chelsea. So it's win-win for him. Um, everybody's saying that he won't take Romagnoli's place uh, as centre-back, but he'll take the other guy's name who who I can't remember or can't pronounce, um, he'll take his side uh, right centre-back. 
um, because of how good Tamori is. Um, and yeah, hopefully he could be the next big thing for English football centre-back wise. Um, now we'll go on some Arsenal transfer news or back onto it now. Uh, and Martin Odegaard, um, who is from Real Madrid, uh, went on loan to Real Sociedad for a spell, didn't he, Alex? Yeah. 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 Um, and, uh, I think he got um, their player of the season, but um, yeah. not been very good at uh, Real Madrid. So. Yeah, um, so he's not... He's not enjoyed his time at Real Madrid. Of course, everything that's going on is not helping that. Um, but he is coming in uh, as a loan for the Gunners, Arsenal. Um, but I spoke to you before we came on air, sort of, Alex, or started before before we recorded, say Emil Smith-Rowe had created the most chances in the Premier League after Bruno Fernandes. And I was quite shocked by that stat. And now they're bringing in somebody to replace him again. It's just not in favour of it. Favor of his favor of him, unless they're doing it for squad depth, of course. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I understand like why they would want rotation with him, um, seeing as he is only what is he like nineteen twenty, and he, he has to start in that attacking yeah. midfield role for for the whole season. I can understand why they brought him in, but like, he's playing so well at the moment, linking up with Saka, Lacazette, and all of them, that uh, it's just like a, a bit of a stab in the back. Like I know. Odegaard, I don't know how good he's going to be for Arsenal. I don't think he'll be like an outstanding player, but he will be something that will improve their game. But like he, like um, Smith Rowe has been playing so well. He got them through in the FA Cup. Like it's just like, why would you do it at this point? Like bring one in 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 the summer and then build on him then. But to like he's been promoted to the to the to the starting team and then he's just being replaced after about eight games where he's played very, very well. So I'm not sure they're thinking behind this, but yeah. So if you bring in Odegaard, he's 19 and a player of his calibre and his age will not want to sit on the bench. It's the same thing with um, Van der Beek. What's what's the point? Because unless you replace Smith-Rowe, Who's doing it like really well at the moment? I I just don't get it. What is the point? It's either squad depth, but Arsenal, what are they eleventh, ninth at the moment? Something stupid. They they but, don't need squad depth. They need good quality players that they can start. In the start an eleven, yeah. 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 And Odegaard's on a loan as well, so it's not like he can terminate his own loan, really. So it's a win-win for Arsenal because they they don't have to play him. They can play Emil Smith-Rowe and have Odegaard on the bench. And Odegaard can just go back to Real Madrid and he won't be bothered. Yeah, but But, he he wants to sign for them. And he won't want that if he's been playing on the bench. And if they're looking in the future to improve, having some young talent in the team is a good move. But I think it's the wrong time since Smith-Rowe is doing so well. And I think it's the wrong position. They should be looking to expand in other areas. Yeah. Um, but, like, it, it depends if Odegaard really wants to move to Arsenal. We'll see if he does even start. Um, but for me, Emil Smith-Rowe should start and he's deserved the right to start at the moment um, because of his recent performances. So we'll have to see what happens at Arsenal. Uh, we did miss out one game and I'm surprised we missed out this game. Uh, Manchester United 2, Fulham 1. Of course, United winning away at... Craven Cottage. City were top of the league for 25 minutes. 
before we came in and obliterated it. Uh, but yeah, they've still got a game in hand, which I am very wary about uh, because everyone's mentioned it every five minutes. Um, but yeah, uh, it was a good game. Uh, Cavani got a tap in for us. Before that, though, your man, Adamola Luckman, okay. Alex, scored it. And everybody thought it was offside, but I think it was Juan Basaka's foot was playing him onside. Or Eric Baez, I think it was Juan Basaka's, though. Uh, he was playing him on side, and then Pogba comes out with an absolute bullet on his left foot and strikes it right in the top left-hand corner or middle left-hand corner. Uh, and yeah, we get the three points and we go back home. Uh, and yeah, we play uh, Liverpool this weekend. But before that, we'll do some score predictions. So FA Cup fourth round this weekend. Uh, Chorley, of course, the last non-league team in the FA Cup so far, and they played Premier League Wolves. Today, on Friday, at 7.45. Joe, what are we thinking of this one? Can Trolley, Trolley uh, cause an upset? I, they've done well to come this far, but I don't think there's much chance of them staying. What are we going? 3-0 Wolves. I don't, I don't want to... The thing is, I don't want to predict a huge scoreline because it's the magic of the cup and I do think they'll play really well because they've come this far and they'll be really determined but Wolves will One league Charlie <laughs> Wolves will definitely win unless they put out a crap team So what are you going? 3-0 3-0 Alex I'm going to go 1-0 to, to Wolverhampton Wanderers like the West Ham game I'm going to go one all and Charlie win it on penalties. Yes. Yes. Charlie. <laughs> uh, and then tomorrow, Southampton play Arsenal in the FA Cup as well. Of course, they do play each other in the Premier League uh, next Tuesday, I believe. But before that, they play um, tomorrow, 12-15. Alex, score prediction? Uh, I'm going to go 1-1. One, one. Joe? I'm going to say 1-0 to Southampton. Ooh, I think yeah. two two on Arsenal. I think Emil Smith Rowe will turn up. Um, Chelsea play Wolves in the Premier League on Wednesday at six o'clock. What are we thinking of that one, Joe? I think Chelsea will secure a two-one win, and the scoreline won't reflect what's actually gone on. I think Chelsea will massively dominate, but Wolves will still manage to score. Alex, oh, but sorry, what's your score prediction? I said 2-1. Two 2-1, one. Two one. Alex? Uh, I'm going to go 2-0 to um, Chelsea. Ooh. Uh, I think Chelsea have been in bad form recently. I know they won against Fulham, but they did lose against Leicester, which was a big blow for them considering how much they've spent. Uh, and Frank Lampard did come out this week and say 200 million. Um, well, he didn't say 200 million, but he said we need more players and everybody was saying, well, he spent on 200 million. Anyway. I think Wolves will put up a fight, uh, but I'm going to go one all. Uh, I think yeah. Wolves will manage just to secure the draw. Uh, and then Alex, Everton play Leicester City, 8.15 Wednesday. What are we thinking at Goodison? Uh, well, we beat them last time. Um, and normally I go, if we beat in a team once, we can't do it the next time. But I'm going to be optimistic and go for a 1-0 win, seeing as they don't have uh, Jamie Vardy. Every win you predict, Alex, you lose. <laughs> ah, yeah. <laughs> I think two one Everson. All right. I think they'll pull it out of the bag. Back, by the way, DCL's back. 
Yeah, I, I think D, DTL will run through Leicester. Uh, I think Leicester aren't a team to be messed around with at the moment, considering how well they're doing. Madison and Vardy will cause you massive problems, Alex. Uh, did but, it last time. I, I know, but considering how good Leicester are at the moment, I'm going to have to go 2 0 Leicester. Screw you. DCL will have a couple of chances. He, get, I'm, guarantee me, I can guarantee you he'll hit the crossbar with a header. I'm going to guarantee you that. And now. it goes in. And it, no, it bounces off. Oh. Um, Tottenham versus Liverpool next Thursday, 8 o'clock. And I'm gladly set to say that we are going to be live streaming that game, hopefully. So if you want to tune into that game, Alex, is, I don't think <laughs> Alex is now a joke. Uh, I, um, so yeah, we'll watch the score predi- prediction for this one. I'll go first this time, if you don't mind. Um, I'm going to go two all. I think Liverpool will get a last minute winner. Joe, what about you? Winner? Winner? Equalizer. Two all. Equalizer. <laughs> <laughs> um, that I think Tottenham will manage to keep it under control and they'll come away with it with a 1-0 win and Liverpool are going to be sorely disappointed but it'll kick-start their return back to form and they won't have taken anything from Burnley. They'll have called it a fluke. Alex? Uh, I am also going for a a 1-0 to Tottenham Hotspur. I think um, Liverpool have had enough uh, 90-minute winners. They obviously had one against Tottenham um, at Anfield, but I think it's going to go the other way and they're going to lose Harry Kane to score with a with a, um, a Loris assist. <laughs> what what okay. foot okay. will Harry Kane it score will with? be with the outside of his right foot into the bottom left corner at a velocity of 58 miles per hour. How far is Lloris going to have to kick this ball? Uh, he's kicking it from the halfway line because it's the 90th minute and they just put put it in the box. <laughs> Will Lloris not be in the box, though? No. <laughs> All right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> what um, facial expression will Harry Kane be pulling? It's going to be a very excited one because he's just scored a 90th minute winner. We need to do score predictions quick because this Zoom call is going to end. So United-Liverpool, FA Cup, we're streaming that. Joe, quickly, go. Um, Nil-nil, again. Okay, uh, Alex. 2 nil liverpool we're going to win 5-0. Right, Bournemouth uh, v Crawley. 1-0 uh, Crawley, up the crawls. 3-0 Crawley. I'm going to go 5-0 Crawley again. <laughs> uh, right, yeah, that's a bye from me. Everybody tune into Radio Alt. I'm going to be I'm on me. there. I'm See me. you. Bye. Bye-bye. That's a wrap.